Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Isaiah. And just as a reminder, yesterday uh, we talked about the uh, threat of the armies coming from the north to invade the south. And into that context, Isaiah speaks once again. So we're in chapter 8, but we're just going to do verses 11 and following of chapter 8. And uh, Michael, if you'd read that for me, that'd be wonderful. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Preserve the teaching of God and trust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord, who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. I and the children the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies who dwells in his temple on Mount Zion. Someone may say to you, Let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, with that ending, just a reminder, uh, being aware of the pattern we've seen in Isaiah, we should expect that immediately after this, there's going to be a promise um, and especially a future promise about the Messiah. And that's actually what we will see as we go into tomorrow. Uh, but this passage today, um, this is, again, the context of this coming invasion. There's all this kind of anxiety that people are experiencing about the future. And this rise is um, out of this fear of what's going to happen politically and militarily. And in the midst of this, Isaiah says in verse 11, where he started, says, instead, we should not think like everyone else does. We should fear God instead. And you know what, this actually reminds me of when my kids were really young and I'd be putting them to bed and there'd always be some fear of ghosts or monsters or something else like that. And I would try so many different things. Nothing was ever a perfect solution, but one of the best <laughs> solutions I came up with, best as in like, it me seemed to calm them down and, and, and keep them in bed, was I would, I would tell them, you know, not to be afraid of ghosts, not to be afraid of monsters, that they're not real, but even if they are, that they should know that I am the most scary thing in the house. So that's what they should be afraid of, not the ghosts and monsters. So that's what I think of in this situation where um, Isaiah is saying, don't be afraid of these kings and these empires. Instead, fear God. Know that God is the most powerful thing. Um, and, you know, he's not saying that we should live in terror of God. Uh, we should uh, hold on to God, but recognizing God's strength. But there should be an element of fear, if, especially if we choose to go against God, like both kingdoms are, and King Ahaz of the south is, is doing. And then 
you know, you think about how do people respond to this kind of anxiety, this fear of the future? And uh, one of the first responses here when uh, Isaiah is saying, don't think like other people, don't think like do what everyone else is doing, is a lot of uh, this fear manifests in conspiracies. There's this idea that probably one of the most universal fears we have is the fear of the unknown. And conspiracies tend to arise during these times of of rapid change and kind of chaos and where things are no longer predictable. And conspiracies give people a sense of control, a sense of having knowledge, even if it's false, even if it's not real, it gives people sort of like worrying about the future, gives some people a, a sense of having some influence, like you've done something about the future. Conspiracies kind of fill that same psychological need for a lot of people. Um, and another thing that people are doing uh, besides these conspiracies is he says, you know, they're consulting with mediums, they're consulting with the dead, thinking that the, the dead perhaps have some knowledge that uh, they might benefit from. But again, Isaiah is saying here, well, consult with God then. If you want to know something, don't consult with the dead, consult with the living God. Seek God and God's wisdom. But Again, they don't want to trust, people like Ahaz don't want to trust God, uh, probably because God is something you can't control, right? They, they want things that can be under their control. We want things that can be under our control, that we can take or leave and decide or not. But God requires that we, we follow, that we submit. And, and in, in line with this, Isaiah is saying, you know, you know, preserve the teachings of God. This is the thing that's going to give us the, the real uh, confidence and uh, lack of anxiety that we seek. Uh, we've often mentioned this in a number of sermons on uh, Sundays and other contexts that the most frequent and common command in the scripture is to fear not or do not fear. It's what the angels say so many times. It's what God says, because in the end, uh, faith is the ultimate antidote for fear. It's the ultimate antidote for anxiety because it's based on a connection to a power that thankfully we cannot control because if we could control it, it wouldn't be truly powerful enough to protect us from these forces that may be arrayed against us like these kingdoms at war. But instead, it's the God we can't control because God's power is so great that everything else pales in comparison. So this is where Isaiah is saying for us to um, uh, turn our anxiety, turn our fear, to look for confidence, to look for guidance. And, you know, again, with this guidance about the future, fear of the future, think about how powerful and privileged a position we give to people who can eliminate this fear for us. In their case, they're trying to look to prophets or mediums. Maybe in modern times, we look to economists, uh, but whoever it is that can seem to give us a clear picture of the future, those are the people that during such times we rally towards. And that's another reason why conspiracies often thrive during this time, because especially if there's a leader who's advancing this conspiracy or giving way to this conspiracy, it feels like that person has a knowledge of secret things, a knowledge perhaps of the future, uh, more than we do, and we can kind of give confidence to that. And so this is probably one of the reasons why, for instance, during times of rapid change and, and, and lack of confidence in where things are going, this is probably one of the reasons why despots tend to arise uh, all around the world, that there are these more, move towards uh, far-right governments, move towards despotic leaders, because they at least pretend to be able to give you a sense of, of control and safety in a time when that seems to be in very short supply. But uh, the final warning Isaiah gives is that, you know, if you're not going to turn to God for this kind of 
confidence. Um, if you're the people who are going to look everywhere else but, but God, look high and low, look left and right, look everywhere, you're only going to find darkness and you're going to be, you're going to lose everything in the process. So in the end, it's the, the, the security that you're seeking through these other means will not result in security. In fact, it will result in all the loss of security that you were seeking in the first place. So up and down, Isaiah is going this in several different ways, but basically reminding us over and over again, calling us back to a faith-filled, loving connection with the God who loves us and guides us and keep us truly secure even in times that are not. And I think this is, a, a, like we've said many times in doing this uh, series, uh, this is a, a word that is written to people uh, you know, almost 3,000 years ago, and yet it seems very contemporary and applicable to our time as well. Uh, Michael, I'm wondering what you see in this passage or maybe what you've experienced in your own life about seeing this kind of anxiety and fear rise up in people and, and lead them in directions other than God. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I could speak to like the larger, but I think like personally, I think of how conspiracies are ultimately just like plans that we make, right, that might not be rooted or are often not rooted in truth, but they're like really rooted in fear. Uh, and I and I often find that conspiracies are those that like, uh are pretty ridiculous like they can they end up being ridiculous or sounding ridiculous but they contain like a kernel of truth and i think that's what makes them so tricky and like in my own life i think about uh just the ways that i can get frustrated with people and i can begin to create conspiracies as to why i'm angry at them or like what they've done to me and and then um creating you know almost this like little little world in my own head or these plans in my own head of like how i'm going to go about um dealing with it uh, rather than when um, when I feel as though when I'm doing what Isaiah is saying here, which is like turning to God, oftentimes um, there's there's things that God calls me to, which often does not mean um, getting back at people or getting angry with people or uh, being um, upset or or trying to um, make myself look better in situations. And and I so I'm just like I think I'm just trying to take it down to like a personal level of where like I've experienced it where like I I like I I haven't necessarily been caught up in like a a larger conspiracy I do know people but who who have been but ultimately I think it, it starts with like how do you just like view the people in your life whether that's like your workplace or whether it's the people in your home like or whether it's like even yourself like what are the conspiracies that you just kind of these small conspiracies that then add up and they're all built around fear and uncertainty or insecurity all these sort of um, micro, uh, maybe micro issues that then grow and grow and become these larger, like macro things on a larger scale. Um, and, and I think ultimately the things that I has been consistent, whether it's a large conspiracy or a small conspiracy, whether it's like a personal or kind of a more structural or larger is what Isaiah says here is like preserve the teaching of God, right? And um, to look to God's instructions and teachings. And, and that is where um then the you know in the psalms it talks about how god's word is a light to our feet and conspiracies i think only work when they're in the dark when they are um being uh, almost like they have a space to fester to grow without being challenged but oftentimes conspiracies are actually really easy to break down once they've been challenged which is um uh and, and at least that's been my experience and even what i've seen on a larger scale is you kind of like when it's brought out into the light you're like that sounds ridiculous. And, and it's like, oh yeah, that's because it, it is. Um, but maybe that's why um, so many, like so many conspiracies build uh, pretty internally or out of sight, out of mind. Um, and whether it's in our own personal lives or on a larger scale. And, and I think that's why it's so important to be listening to like 
being in community, being in God's word, because God's word is going to consistently challenge our lives with truth. And the truth can't help but expose things um, that are trying to hide in the darkness. It can't help but shine light. Uh, and that's even like when we see Jesus come into the into the fold, it says he was this great light and that the darkness couldn't um, couldn't hide from him and couldn't couldn't with, couldn't um, stand um, the light that was coming into the world. And I don't think that imagery or that metaphor is accidental. Um, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding my head and I'm also thinking uh, there's a, uh, a saying that has been popular in some 12 step group circles that fear is the room where negatives develop. Uh, now that people don't do photography anymore, I wonder how much longer that that uh, saying is going to last. But, you know, the idea that you develop the negatives of film in a dark room, uh, but also this idea that um, when we are in darkness and outside of the light, that's where fear can really develop. So um, bringing things into the light, bringing things into the light of uh, God's truth, God's word, bringing things into the light of uh, friends, uh, uh uh, people of faith who are also in the truth, uh, exposing these things to light can be the place where this fear, these fears can be dispersed. And so I think that's maybe the encouragement we can take today from this passage is to bring our fears into the light. And when those fears are addressed, uh, these dark conspiracies and desire to seek spiritual, um, spiritual mystical forces or, or whatever the case might be, I think those things diminish. It's often not a rational argument that that pulls people out of these kind of fear-based behaviors, but instead by addressing the fear, then maybe those things no longer have an appeal for them or for us. Uh, Michael, I'm wondering if you have a final thought and uh, if you'd be willing to close us in prayer. Yeah, I think my only final thought is that uh, I, I love how Isaiah says, I will wait for the Lord and I'll put my hope in him. And and I'm that's what I'm going to pray for us. Um, and so go right ahead and do that. Um, God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for... Uh, being a light, uh, being the light in our lives that can cast out fear and, and darkness, which is where fear loves to be. God, I pray we would be willing to wait for you, knowing it's hard, um, but that we would be people who um, don't despair and dread, but we'd be people of hope and ultimately hope in Jesus, who has overcome the world, who has shined light in the darkness, and who wants to free us from any kind of darkness or fear that we may hold. To your name we pray, Jesus, and ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Michael, and thanks, everyone, for being with us today. I hope you're able to join us tomorrow when we'll move on to the promise that follows this warning. So go in peace.